Hey everybody, welcome to the Bloody Awesome Movie Podcast. I'm John Burke, and with me as always from across the pond is the Kingsman to my statesman, Matt Hudson from whatiwatchtonight.co.uk. Matt, how are you today? Uh, would it be too on the nose to say I'm bloody awesome? Because I kind of am, because it's that time of the week <laughs> oh. where we get together, we chat films, and, you know, we have a good time. But, um, yeah, that aside, uh, not too bad. It's been a busy last, busy few days. Uh, and I always yeah. say film always comes as a nice form of escapism, but no, my friend, I, I can't complain too much, or if I could, I certainly won't do it on the pod because our listeners, they don't want to hear that. They're here to hear what we think about films. But before that, uh, are you well? Are you keeping Florida safe? Doing what I can. You know, it's been, uh, um, also a long week, very busy. Just, I feel like, uh, constantly, um, the day after we record this the day, you're actually getting to hear this listener. My daughter will be turning 18. Uh, which is insane and can't believe it. And if you've been listening to the show for a while, you've heard me talk about her for like, uh, you've basically watched her <laughs> grow up the last five years. Yeah. Um, Party and, time. And yeah, it's, it's pretty wild. Uh, so we're, we are going to go out to dinner tomorrow night to celebrate. Um, and yeah, it's crazy. Um, you know, that it's been that many years already. Um, my little movie buddy is now going to be able to go. I mean, she's been able to go see rated R movies by herself for the last year. anyways, if she wanted to, but I mean, I've been taking her to see, I, I took her to see green room when she was like 12, you know, it's fine. Um, I can hear the lump forming in your throat. Uh, It's fine. It it is. It's, it's (laughs) both. It's one of those happy, sad type moments where you're like, wow, my, my child is going to become a legal adult. And then also, Wow. My child is going to be a legal adult. It is a very overwhelming kind of sensation. Um, and also like, that's like, how am I old enough to have an 18 year old? You know, like none of that feels accurate at all. It flies by. So if you uh, like enjoy every moment with your young, young daughter, Matt, because by Ooh, one shame. day you'll be saying what I'm saying right now. And you'll be like, what happened? And you'll, <laughs> but you'll, I say that already. Somebody in my place of work asked the other day, she goes, how old is she? She's going to be six next month. Oh yeah. That's- next month. I thought, Six. I was like, Christ. And it doesn't, I mean, six. I mean, six years. I mean, we've been doing a show for five of them. I was like, damn, yeah, that I know. Is, you know, it flies by. And yeah, I remember, I remember when we first started chatting when, when I jumped on top five movies and we started doing this as a <clears throat> kind of a monthly or bi weekly show. I remember, yeah, I remember Kid was sort of 13 and kind of, and you know, it's a totally yeah. different time of the, her life and different, obviously in terms of school education. Yeah. 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 Now it wasn't anywhere near a job at the time and oh. was kind of going to the, the, the flicks with you as well, man. And the pre COVID when we weren't sweating like masks and oh, hanging out with people. So yeah, a lot, a lot, a lot of time, uh, this not to dive too much into history, but I mean, we are going to be talking about in theory, a character who can't die from natural causes because aren't vampires uh, immortal? I think, but yeah, I think you're maybe right. He's not a vampire because that's part of the thing. Who knows? Uh, but we're talking. We're here to talk about the current uh, highest-grossing film of the week, the box office <laughs> winner, uh, despite the critics being cruel to Morbius. That's right, folks. We're here to review Morbius, uh, directed by Daniel Espinosa, who has been. Uh, kind of apologizing is what I've caught. When he's like, "Yeah, sorry, this isn't. I, I don't really know what happened." Kind of thing. That's the vibe I'm getting. Um, written by Matt Sazama uh, and Burke Sharpless, stars the man, the legend Jared Leto. Um, <laughs> not doing an Italian accent. Uh, Matt Smith, 
Adria Arjona, um, Jerry Harris. J's or H's in Spanish, man. I'm sure it's Arjona. Um, Jared Harris, uh, Jared Jarris, um, Herod Harris is what I'm going to call him. Uh, Tyrese Gibson and Al Madrigal, who is in the movie to work on his stand-up routine. I guess um, he's playing uh, a police officer so. who must moonlight as a as a stand-up comedian. Um, the synopsis on IMDb: Biochemist Michael Morbius tries to cure himself of a rare blood disease, but instead he inadvertently infects himself with a form of vampirism. <laughs> um, well. Last I saw, and this might have changed, but uh, it has a 16% Rotten Tomato, 37 Metascore, which is the bigger telling thing, a 5.2 IMDb user score, which is very average, and then a 1.9 on Letterboxd, which is one of the lowest I remember seeing from a Letterboxd score. Um, The RT, we don't usually reference the RT uh, user rating kind of thing, like the non-critic score. It was at 65 when I got the 16%. So big juxtaposition there from the critic to user. So I went into this movie two days after seeing, actually, I'm sorry, three days after seeing everything everywhere all at once, which right now is not only my favorite movie of the year, but I am currently listing in my top five movies with the expectation of either it's staying there or moving after I see it a second time. Because to me, a favorite movie does require multiple viewings. And to, to know that it's not just like that infatuation, that love at first sight type feeling right but i saw that movie i was blown away we will talk about that movie sometime but i i was dreading seeing morbius because i was like i don't want to follow up a movie that i think might be a favorite with a movie that looks terrible to me and i went into this with so much apprehension and then seeing that 16 rotten tomatoes only seemed to affirm my fears but i actually thought it was just meh i don't think it's Mm -hmm. terrible I, I do not think this is the worst superhero movie that's been released. I don't think it's the worst superhero movie that's been released in the last five years. I don't think it's good. I think there are hints of good things in this movie that get like dragged down by bad writing, um, weird choices, which I don't know if that happens in editing or if that was just never filmed, but there's a lot of stuff that feels undeveloped or the worst thing. I think the best example of a bad script is they literally do the opposite of show don't tell. There is a scene where Michael <laughs> Morbius is about to receive the Nobel Prize. Oh, they have a, a shot of him at the award ceremony. He's yep. sitting there and then it cuts away from it. And we hear from a radio report that he turned down he the Nobel it, Prize. Yeah. And uh, it was a, like, why did you film the scene of the ceremony if you're not going to show him turning it down? You literally did the opposite. You it's told us he did other, it. Isn't it. You either have him at this ceremony and show him doing it, or don't have him there and just have it in just have it in the background on the radio. It is such a weird choice to go through the process of having a set built or <laughs> finding a set to do the award ceremony and then not show the payoff. Like, what do you what? That is bad filmmaking, like yeah. 101. And that is the epitome of what this movie does so badly. Everything in it feels like the wrong side of what we should be getting. It's like, hey, we have two cops. This could be interesting. Nope. They are the most boring storyline in this entire movie. They do not need to be there. And poor Al Madrigal is trying to be funny, but the payoff makes zero sense because, like, why? Why are you funny? Why do you have holy water? Are we supposed to believe that Blade exists in this universe, too, and that other vampires are already a thing? Like, the movie ultimately fails in every area except... 
Jared Leto and Matt Smith are having a good time. And if it was focused on them and their dynamic, I do think the movie would be much, much better. I think Matt Smith is way over the top. But I kind of am vibing it because I don't think this movie needs to be serious. I actually think it should be kind of wild and silly and goofy. And so when those moments work, I found a little bit of joy. Do I do I think it's kind of dumb in the overall context because they are trying to play this like a universal horror movie and they're trying to make it feel like this dread at times. But that parts those are the bad parts of this movie. Um, and and any reference to any other movie terrible bad idea make the mm-hmm. morbius movie make the morbius movie don't do other things it this this is the epitome of where sony has failed every time they've been given the reins since the raimi spider-man this this is a cash grab in every thought and if you really want to prove it watch the trailers and count the number of things that are in the trailer that are not in the movie which is like <laughs> 90% of the trailer is not in the film. Like there are yep. lines. They say, Michael Morbius, you were found on a shipping container f- that was missing for two months. That's not in the movie. That is nope. not what happens at all. Like this movie and the trailer are at opposite ends of what they're doing. The, the tone in this film feels like noted from the studio to death. Like everything feels like, Oh, how about this? You got to have this because this is this, in this quadrant. We want the young people to be vibing here. So we don't want blood in a vampire movie. Cause then it's our like, Oh, Oh no. <sighs> All of the studio decisions here. And it's again, Sony has time and time and time again, shown that this is where they fail is a, they choke a franchise to death. Somehow, Ghostbusters Afterlife, which I I guess is Sony. I didn't actually realize that was Sony. It's Sony um, and Ghost Call. So other people, unlike us, you and I loved Ghostbusters Afterlife, but other people yeah. have said that they choked the life out of that. We must just be on the side that we're just like, yeah, we just still like what you're doing with it, so it's fine. But this movie, where I have no love built in for the character, I have no, I have no disdain for Morbius. I have no love for Morbius. I did not go into this with a big fandom behind me they did nothing to pull me in. They did everything to repel me. And again, I still don't think it's the worst movie. I I wasn't, I did not fall asleep. I I rolled my eyes a couple of times, (laughs) but I still don't think this is as bad. I, I, I think it's getting a lot of undue hate and maybe it is because of the Jared Leto of it all. But this is a better performance than we got out of house of Gucci, Jared Leto. So like, I, and I granted that's not saying much, but it's like, dude, he does feel committed to Morbius. Like it feels like he's trying to make this an entertaining movie and the movie is actively trying to fight him. That's the conflict of this film. It's Jared Leto desperately trying to make something work and the movie being like, Nope, we're going to be as boring as possible. We're going to have fight scenes that aren't terrible, but they're going to be really hard to see what's going on because we're going to CG it with smoke for some reason. Like there's so many things like, I actually really like the eye effect when he's like, like, using his sonar and like the mm-hmm. eyes turn blue. I think that looks really cool. I think some of the sonar stuff is kind of lame, but it looks cool. Um, yeah, I didn't hate this. I, I definitely don't think this is something you need to rush out for. Um, what did you think, Matt? Sounds like what you're trying to say, John is no more BS. Uh, <laughs> no more. Somebody had to, I haven't heard anyone use that one yet. So I'm claiming no more BS, but, um, do you know what? Uh, I'll cut to the chase in terms of what I think, but I'm actually on your side with this, and I'm pleasantly surprised actually to hear you are, you know, unknowingly siding with me on this as well, because I don't think this was a great film, but 
It's not. Is 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 it is it a sixteen percent? Is it a one point nine out of five? No. Come mm. on. It's not a great film because, it, but it, it uh, what you said is true. There's there's a good film in here somewhere, but it seems like the studio mandate is fighting against any kind of creativity that the director or Jared Leto wanted to bring to this. It just became a an exercise by numbers, which was then seemingly picked apart further to become this almost incoherent, totally imbalanced mess, which is what I think Morbius is. It isn't a bad film. I wasn't bored watching it at any time. Uh, but the, 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 my, what, what I've got to say will probably sound unduly negative about this film. But there were things that I enjoyed. Like, I think the film felt joyless overall. I don't think it was, you know, it, dark and gritty can work if other aspects are in play and they're also winning. But it, it, it felt at times a bit like a slog. However, despite calling it, you know, miserable and joyless, I did actually enjoy the horror feel to the film, at least the attempt at atmosphere and the attempt that, you know, they're going to have these slower build ups to these moments of action. You know, they, they kind of took their time with that in a film which was, I say world paced, but it, 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 by that I mean it didn't feel very long because it's only an hour and 40 minutes, but it felt jumbled up, which didn't help what could have been an otherwise pretty tight film. Um, I agree, I think the script was lazy, and I'm not here for anyone who says, well, you don't come for the script. I do. I, you know, I don't want to settle for crap just because it's a, you know, Martin Scorsese might not like comic book films, though there was a comment he made, well, there was a comment attributed to him which Tyrese fell for, which I'll mention later, which was the funniest thing I've heard all year. But um, back to it, though. The action, the action's fine, but they just used the overuse of slow motion. I didn't think it was very good. I think it's a poor stylistic choice. I didn't like it, especially when the CGI that is being used in that slow-mo isn't isn't great. Um, it's uh, Parts of it were unintentionally funny as well. There's a couple of scenes of Matt Smith, uh, I'll just say Matt Smith oh, running. Geez. And I was like, "This I've seen this in a film called. Sadly, it's called Exorcist at the beginning. At the end of that film, when they've got the ex, the ex, the, the demonic person in it is running towards the camera in slow motion. It looked exactly like Matt Smith, and I was, I was having to stifle my laughter, and I felt bad oh, because man. I don't, I don't like being that guy in the cinema. I was like, ha, ha, "Look at that crap!" But I almost did. But I laughed a couple of times also. Actually, that we're you, not at jokes. Yeah, you can't help it sometimes. I think, uh, but to be fair though, let's call it was. I think Matt Smith is Matt Smith for me is the one person who seemed to get the memo. He's the one real antidote yep. to any kind of you know lack of levity or misery. I've called it. Matt Smith looked like he's having a really good time. Um, yep. Jared Leto, I think he's, and I also think Jared Leto hold the films on his shoulders for a lot of it. No, that in terms of real, real world and in universe, and I think he's good. I think Jared Leto. He, he also he like you said, he really wants his character to evolve. He really wants to run with this character. He wants this film to be a success. He's been pushing it for years, and you can tell that you know he's you know he's eaten on this performance, and I think he's very decent in this role. Uh, I also subscribe to the what I've seen on social media a lot this week and it, that you know Jared Leto he does work for me better as a supporting actor for the most part I think like in recently when, like, when he's in 2049 I think he's great in that in a subdued supporting role I think he's really doesn't mean he can't be front and centre because he can still have a big performance but maybe not be the lead man because I don't always think he's a winning lead man here though Kind of plays to his sensibilities a little bit, so he he, you know, he 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 ends up being one of the shining lights. But other than that, this film 
I don't know. It, the, like the absurdity of this story almost begged for more kind of Gonzo humor or more levity or leaning into yeah. that. That like that synopsis. I said the like I said the IMDb synopsis is you know also unintentionally hilarious. You know, play up to that. You don't have to make a comedy, but play up to it a little bit more. Uh, instead, they've gone for hyper serious at times and doesn't quite work because you haven't got you know not everybody's playing pulling at the same game and not everybody's also up to the level of pulling off the performances that may be needed like you said so the cops were they just felt like they'd just been chucked in there you know we, we need we need some cops in there you know, just just, just yeah. act just do something yeah i think Adria Arjona had a had her a hapless task she she tried and she again she's i think i like yeah. her i think she's a good actress looking forward yeah. to seeing her in andor at the end of the year star wars andor but I don't, again i don't she just isn't really given anything to do the it's it's messy it's grim to look at you know if 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 this is set in the spider verse you know for, poor tom holland having to carry this because the, these films need something like a tom holland spider-man just to elevate them somehow but all that negativity aside, I didn't dislike Morbius. I didn't like it particularly, but it's. I, I, I think a lot of the mud that's been slung at this is because it's Jared Leto, and you know we all like to mention he's a method actor, but he goes so far that he's a bit odd, and he generally is a bit odd. I think yeah. a lot of it is because of you know Jared Leto, and it's you know sometimes it's cool or hip to to kick the man. I think it's undeserved. Yeah. I think actually here he's decent. He cares about this property. It's just a film around everything around him. Not necessarily the director, but it's the studio. I've let him down badly here in a film which could have actually been pretty interesting. And I like your Universal Monster um, reference because I think that is that is a, there is a clear sense of that here. But it's just you know it's just been torn apart by the studio, like you said, they're trying to reach the varying quadrants, and it's yeah, it's a very much a case of you know what could have been for me. It's not awful. It's not particularly great. It's just it, is, it exists in a time when we've had much better comic book films yes. recently, and that's been one of the the most fair complaints. A lot of people have, have said that this feels like a movie that's ten years old, or yeah. even older, fifteen years old, and it kind of does. It feels like it's it's of the same cloth of Daredevil and Ghost Rider, and uh, not not like Blade Trinity. Like it's <laughs> it's in that that kind of when we were at the. It looked like we were crestfallen. Spider-Man 3 was a down like, downer. When Spider-Man 3 didn't work, we were all like, oh, no. And then X-Men Last Stand didn't work. And everyone was like, oh, what's happening? And it wasn't until Dark Knight and then Iron Man that we were like, oh, wait, maybe the superhero genre is not dead. But there was a minute there where it looked like it was done. Yeah. And then, you know, um, that's what this feels like. It's in that era. Because I don't think those movies are terrible. But it was like when you compare them to the first X-Men and Spider-Man 1 and 2 and you compare it to uh, even Blade, those mm-hmm. later yeah, yeah. films felt very rushed. They felt you know formulaic. And this movie feels all of those things and then some, but still not bad. Like Fantastic Four, the Josh Trank Fantastic Four, and I, I hate to uh, – that, that guy suffered enough from that movie. But that movie – is bad. There is nothing really redeemable. And that movie has Miles Teller, Michael B. Jordan, you know, and Kate yeah. Mara. Like, what? How do you have that cast and it be that bad? Yeah, that is, is just, uh, that isn't a, that isn't a great film. And, but it's, it is, it, yeah, in terms of example, it's a very good example because Morbis isn't a great film, but you know, it's just, it, it, for yeah. me, it's more like a collection of missteps along the way of, was Fantastic Four is a kind of like a, it is that kind of like WTF happened here. 
and I do, I'm going to give a uh, full disclosure. I have already listened to the slash Filmcast, and I know some of what I've said is definitely on their podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of these thoughts I had prior. That's one of my favorite things about listening to other movie podcasts is I sit there going exactly. Cause if you obsess over film, like Matt and I do, there's not a lot of other people who are willing to have this level of conversation with you outside of listening to other people who are as obsessed. So like podcasts yes. like that, um, I usually don't listen to it till after we record. We are recording a day late uh, because circumstances. And so I did, um, I definitely, uh, some of, some of their phrases might have been, have worked their way into my own review, just full disclosure. Um, check out the slash film cast. Uh, now it's just called the film cast. Sorry. I forgot they've dropped the slash. It's just, come on, John. Um, but I, uh, it is a, a great podcast I've listened to for years. I, I love listening to Dave and Jeff and Devendra is currently out. They have a special guest, uh, Carol, I think it was Caroline on, on the Morbius episode. And she actually brought up an interesting point with the, the, girl character that you mentioned um that bancroft yeah yeah that it does every vampire story has a sense of like homoerotica right like you have of course um, an interview with vampire right tom cruise and brad pitt's vampire clearly there was a lot more going on there than what the movie actually dives into yeah but um that that was happening here like there's clearly more than just a friendship like their, their friendship is is unique and, and oh, yeah, it's not really explored enough element to these films yeah but it's almost like she was added in so that there would be no doubt that Morbius was like, no, nah, no, nah, he likes women. Like, you know, like it's a studio yeah, note kind of thing. She brought that up. I, and I, I thought that was an interesting point because she, that character does feel like crammed in and not again, not to the actress's fault to the writing. It doesn't feel like she needs to be in most of the scenes. And so many of the scenes are just exposition dumps when she's on screen. It's just like, Oh, so you were, you did this thing or you, you what? And it's like, come on, dude. Like, we don't need to know all the science and more like, we don't want to get into too much. And no, we haven't spoiled the movie, by the way, like we everything we've said is spoiler free. And yet we've, we've pointed out a lot of flaws with the, the structure and the writing. And, um, the, he's, he, the reason he won that Nobel prize is because he invented artificial blood. It's such a weird plot point, And it's like, uh, I don't know. It's everything yeah, I mean, about it, this movie feels it, like yeah, a half thought. It, it plays into what you were saying earlier on about not necessarily kid friendly as well. But I, again, I don't yeah. know. I don't also know the, the the story of the comics, so I can't. That may be a Fair. huge point of the comics. I, if it is, great. But at the same time, you know, it kind of fits in with what you were saying about let's make it accessible for all. And my, yeah. my last point on this was, I don't care that the world thought this was crap. I know. I know people have seen it and said it wasn't great. I don't care. If people think JLS is the worst actor or they want to jump on the bandwagon, I went into this film hoping it was the best film of the year. Same as I'm going to do with, you know, the next Netflix stream. Like when I watch The Bubble, you know, I've heard things. I'm going to watch it and think, you know what? I really hope this is great. Same with Morbius. I didn't go in expecting, like, wanting it to be rubbish or wanting it to be bad. Sometimes you come out and you're like, okay, maybe people are right. But there is sometimes, you know, I, I do believe there is a a case where people go into films expect almost wanting it to be bad and look for the flaws in it which you and i could have probably done because i think i know you weren't looking forward to this film and it would have been very easy for you to go into this film and be like right i'm i know i'm not going to like it so i am going to actively look for the things i really don't like and and i think that's right to do um which is you know why on the bloody awesome movie podcast you get that balanced uh review but i i i, I wanted to go in and really like this film and you know i came out and it's you know, it's whatever. It's 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 fine. I'm going to happily move on from it quite quickly. But I, I, you know, don't don't always believe the hate 
until you've seen it yourself. Exactly. I agree with that. And I think, though, Matt and I are both kind of saying it's not a movie you need to rush out for, but it's yeah. also it, it's not as bad as has been stated. Again, I'm also not saying it's good. It's just like, of course, yeah. It, it wasn't. I expected to like. I was expecting to walk out just like angry at how bad it was, and it's it's not that. I I don't think it's that. I think it's it's disappointing. I would have loved to like. I like you said. I want to love all the movies. I want to be engaged from the from the end from the beginning to the end. That this movie does not do that. I was not pulled in. I was definitely like, oh man. Uh, Bright side under two hours though. Yes. So there is that. At least it, we're in and out. It's not. It doesn't belabor the fact that it's bad so (laughs) as a win take him when we get him all right folks that's our review of morbius again no rush if you've already seen it you're probably thinking similarly to us because i don't think anyone's really arguing that this is a great movie i can see people going it's definitely not a bad movie um that said let's get into our next segment which is chopped headlines um these are movie pop culture news that caught our attention matt what headline grabbed you this week um i went for something a little bit different uh this week it's kind of on brand because we've just been talking about the oscars and uh mine relates to one of the stars of one of the films that was tipped for many oscars but didn't really win that many west side story and it's rachel zegler who is uh going to be starring in and as snow white in the upcoming live action adaptation of that story and she's been teasing you know teasing what we're going to be getting from the character she's saying that the they're going to update the iconic princess and turn her into more of a hero uh, what she actually said was well i mean it's an iconic cartoon it's 85 years old and mark webb our director is so dedicated to making a hero oh. princess for his daughter and i just really love that sentiment and i hope that it gets echoed for all eternity when we make live action versions of these disney cartoons where women are seen as a little bit less than male characters i just think that it's possible to be a princess and a hero and i like to be both so uh that was rachel zegler mm. and she was talking to uh, ap entertainment on the grammy's red carpet recently so the snow white adaptation which comes out uh, i assume it's still coming out at some point this year i don't actually know if it's got a, a, a an actual confirmed release date however rachel zegler said that the character is you know, they, 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 they change things up a bit. We're going to have a, a princess hero. Um, so I brought this up because I wanted to hear what JB thought, but also because we've, we always say like, you know, sometimes with the Disney adaptations, they feel a bit beat to beat, you know, shot to shot. The Lion King obviously springs to mind. Beauty and the Beast it had a few extra musical numbers in, but the story yeah. was faithful for the most part. I don't remember. I've seen Snow White, but it's been a minute and I don't remember how much she sings in it like if she like sings things or if it's just a snow white and the seven dwarf she does uh and also the the all oh, three it's just snow white yeah snow white and her seven counterparts i know uh, they sing they the do Ohio, yeah. we're off to work to go a great song. song that is as well but yeah um, and that's I, the one i remember from that movie i don't remember her songs that's the classic song isn't it from that but i think it's yeah i think it's interesting that they're that they are going to adapt the character or, or you know in, in mm-hmm. a different way they're going to modernize them. I and they did the same actually to be let's not throw it under the bus too much they did something similar with cinderella with yeah. camilla cabello which is great 
I really oh no 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 yeah. I'm sorry yeah, yeah. is this it's, a Disney yeah. adaptation or is this not this that is a was Disney the Amazon this, this is a Disney one that Camellia okay. Cabello one was a Amazon that- one which you know they it was changed up and didn't entirely work however you know I'll always give props to somebody for the ambition and I think changing up such a beloved and iconic as Rachel Zegler says character such as Snow White and bringing her into a more contemporary format. I think is an interesting take. I think it's a bold yeah. move and I'm here for it. I'm also anticipating the the dregs of social media coming out and calling it all the buzzwords under the sun, but who cares about that? I I, I think it's an interesting... I would rather have a director like Mark Webb come out, give us something different, and I know I can hear that as well, but uh, give us something different rather than here's Snow White, the, the story you know, We've just basically given it. We've just transferred it exactly to screen as yeah. you know it. Give well, us something. There's really no different. reason. Yeah, exactly. if you're going to so, adapt it, do it. It's the same thing as a musician. I, I have a, a music friend okay. podcast. Uh, exactly. The music music podcast. If you cover a song, make it your own. Don't yeah, just your do own the song mate. again. Exactly. Um, People have done that with Dylan's song, Bob Dylan's songs over the years, and yeah. damn, have they pretty much made them better? But what what are you thinking about this? And my friend, it's like the take taking a beloved character and you know recontextualizing it. 100% on board with that. I, I, I have not actually seen the uh, Snow White and the Huntsman, which I think that does that there, too, mm. right? Where K. Stewart yeah. is... It's I haven't fine. seen it. No, no, but they did try to, like, make yeah, it like a warrior, right? So, like... It's a recontextualization. It's that ambition to say, here's what we, here's what you know we're going to turn on its head. If it works, then, you know, the director will be lauded. If, it, if not, then, you know, it's a dud, and, but... This was the. Uh, is this the same? Ups- this is this what upset Dinklage that we did an article about a couple months ago, where he was uh, like, "Why are we still doing the dwarfs?" Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm wondering because they they did like re- respond to him and like that we are trying to like update it or modernize it. If yes. that was this movie that they were referring to, I don't remember I, for sure. It was this one? Cause it was a Disney. It was this is a Disney adaptation. Okay. This one he was talking about. I think it is just called Snow White now. Um, and then uh, let's be real. I like 500 Days of Summer. Um, yeah, Gifted was good. Uh, I I have some joy from The Amazing Spider-Man, but it's mostly mm-hmm. because of Garfield's performance and Stone's performance. Um, and Amazing Spider-Man 2, one of the one of the worst comic book movies in recent <laughs> years. And, and that's Mark Webb. No, I don't think it is. Um, <laughs> I, think, I think the, maybe, maybe it's more cohesive, but a lot of the decisions make no sense, right? Like yeah. the... Mark Webb has been an up and down director, I guess is what I'm saying. So I'm not sure, you know, if, if we were basing this, Oh, the guy who did 500 days of summer, I'd probably be like, okay. I mean, he doesn't, he doesn't direct the female character or he didn't write 500 days to be fair. So I don't know if I should blame summer as a character that is his fault um, or not. Um, but I, I thought, I thought Emma Stone's character in the amazing spider movies were treated pretty well. I just, I'm just saying like, Maybe let maybe let a woman direct Snow White. Maybe? Yeah, exactly. I mean, he he directed I mean, Gifted, like I said, and he oh, didn't yeah, like Gifted. that, and that was a good film like as well. I like that McKenna yeah. Grace, Chris Evans. But I I think what you're saying there, my friend, is uh, I'm fully behind that because yeah, he did Gifted. Why not? Yeah, good film. More people need to see Gifted. Uh, that's <laughs> a that's an underseen film. Um, I don't think he wrote that, but yeah, I, I, no, another not. another uh, film we didn't. But I, I'm on board with what you're saying there, my friend. Yeah, but again, I, I'm not saying he doesn't have a vision for it. But you know, if we're we're going to take a female character and try to make her 
not be the object of some, cause I mean, Snow White for a good chunk of the story is asleep, right? Like she's in a coma. Um, and the prince is the one who has to rescue. Her. I don't know when that actually happens. Cause it's been, again, it's been a hot minute since I saw mm-hmm. the, um, the first animated Disney film and animated feature film of all time. Um, yes, right. big deal. And a listener of this, um, a listener of this podcast is a huge fan of, of Snow White. So I'm curious to hear what her thoughts are, uh, especially, um, she liked West Side Story, and so she's probably a fan of Rachel Ziegler. Um, and I liked her in that. And she does yeah. have an operatic singing voice. So, like, if Snow White is more of, like, just making sounds, because uh, that's what I feel like. Maybe she was just, like, making, like, sounds with the birds and stuff. Um, that might work really well um, if they go that route, if they go all in and she, like, talking to the animals. Because I distinctly remember Snow White, like, singing the birds. Yeah. Um, do you using that? Yeah. Yeah. So, if they go that route for this... Maybe Ziggler can pull that off and make it feel like not like it. Cause I think Enchanted does that too. And I don't, you know, that's a kind of parody of the princess. Hmm. So I don't know. Um, just to jump on that, what you're saying, actually, I was just reading up about it. The film was directed by Mark Webb, but it's being written by Greta Gerwig and Erin oh. Christopher Wilson. So now let, let's just turn it on its head. Bomb. Let's, let's throw another yeah. curveball in. Gal Gadot is the evil queen. So mm, fine. But uh. you know, Gerwig and Cressida Wilson, as Erin uh, Cressida Wilson are directing, uh, sorry, writing, sorry. So and if they are, if they are retooling this character, then, that is more of an it. That's more intriguing to hear. Now. I wonder why Gerwig wouldn't direct it then, man. Like I would love to let her direct that. that like that's a good chat. What's what's he directing next? It's uh, oh, she's she, she's doing something coming up, and I've I I'm feel bad now for not remember what it is. But no, I would like to see her interpretation of a, of a of a Snow White film. I mean, uh, like think of what she did with Little Women, like Barbie. You know, uh, she okay. She's I, th- I thought she might be doing Barbie. That I'm also yeah. on board with because Margot Robbie's on that. The yeah. cast of that movie is ridiculous. <laughs> yes, yeah. Um, well, yeah, I'm I'm in. I'm always in if they're trying something new. I'd much rather them try to make it different than just recreate the cartoon. I don't want a recreation. I want a reinterpretation. Tell us something new. Show us something new. That's why I think Beauty and the Beast failed so hard to me is that it just tried to give us the same thing slightly different and the difference were not positives. They were all like, I prefer the original. Nope. That's um, fine, my friend. So that that's mine. Uh, what about you? What have you gone for this week? So my friend, it was, it was weird for me because uh, recently Corey and I covered um, a separation on our movie club podcast, like last week's episode. Um, yeah. And that's Asgar uh, Farhadi's uh, film from 2011. Now uh, last year he had a hero come out, which I also really, really liked. And when I went to start looking for headlines, this one grabbed me right away that um, a former film student of his um, is suing him uh, wow. for for plagiarism, claiming that it, when she was one of his students, she had an idea for a documentary that does sound a lot like the story from a hero um, and that he took her story and basically turned it into a narrative fictional film. Um, you can read more about that, but uh so he was found not guilty. I'm sorry. She was found not guilty. He sued her for defamation mm-hmm. for claiming that he plagiarized, right? Yep. She was found not guilty for that because they are moving forward with the plagiarism case. Now, oddly, I got this article on Monday. Yesterday, it went out that he was found guilty for plagiarism. But I now, just read that. Wow. But now there's a retraction article. Uh, Entertainment Weekly posted today that the trial just started, so he has not been found guilty of plagiarism. Gotcha. Okay, right. So let's not but, let's not report on that then. Right. So, but that trial is happening, so he could still be found guilty of plagiarizing. 
from what I understand, I don't see how. Um, not not because unless the term plagiarism has a different meaning in the Iranian court system, he did not copy her script. He may have stolen the idea, which could there could be some claim there, but that I don't believe that falls as simply plagiarism. I could be wrong. I'm definitely not a, a, an entertainment lawyer, but uh, that doesn't seem like if here, if you like stole my intellectual property, it wouldn't be a plagiarism case unless you took my script and changed your name. Like you just scribbled out my name and wrote Matt Smith. That's plagiarism. Cause I wrote those words, <laughs> but like stealing my idea. Cause the script is definitely different. Like the movie he made can't be her movie because her movie isn't a narrative film. But the idea of this guy who finds a bag of money while out on debtors, you know, uh, from from debtors prison and chooses to return it, that premise could be stolen. But I don't know. I don't know if that qualifies as plagiarism. So in my eyes, I'm like, I don't think he can be found guilty of that. Could he be found guilty of something else or like tried for something else? Maybe. But it's a big deal. Uh, One, because it does hurt his career if he is found guilty of plagiarizing. Um Two is that he could actually face jail time. It looks like in the Iranian system, and so that time, yeah. So it, it's like it's pretty wild. Um, I'm a big fan of the two movies of his that I've seen, and I, I've heard that some of the other ones are also really good. I think um, I'm going to forget the other one, The Servant or something like that. It's, a lot of his movies have an article in front of them. I most likely for SEO purposes in America, like a separation is always going to pop up real high because it starts with an A. Um, yeah. But I, I've loved those two films like so, so much. So uh, I, I was really disappointed to see that he may have stolen um, a hero and that he would do that, especially as a teacher, a teacher of film. So like I'm encouraging my students to write ideas like I could never like I, I the idea of taking something my student had an idea and making it mine feels so wrong. Um, so like in that way, it, it upsets me, too. I'm like, I hope you didn't do this, dude, because it that would be disappointing on multiple levels for me. And I really, really like both of these movies. And there's a bit of irony to it because he does often write about the complexity of the human situation. And this does feel <laughs> like one of his plots. Like this feels like, Oh, I guess I could maybe see both sides. Cause clearly she has a lot to gain, right? Like, cause she's not. Of course. And so there is like, if she's just this publicity alone, people are going to be suddenly, Oh, she made a documentary. I'm kind of interested. I'd like well, to see that. Documentary out, yeah. Compare. So yeah, like, there and again i don't want to i don't know what her motives are i'm just saying like there's a lot here that does feel like a, a plot of one of his movies uh based on solely again a separation and a hero but this idea of like everybody's wrong everybody's right it just depends on those situations when someone's lying is the lie benefiting who you know it, it is a hard when you watch his movies it's hard to decide who you actually are rooting for and who you're not because he does paint such a vivid picture of each person um, and you really understand why they're doing the things they're doing. Even if you don't agree with them, you like, I get it. That's what this whole situation feels like. So it's pretty wild. Uh, yeah. I'd like to think anything is motivated by just simply artistic integrity. Like this is my work. I'm proud of it. I feel like you've, you, you knew of this and you have taken it and ran with it because you know, you, you, you have a bigger platform which to do. So I, I want the world to know actually this is my idea rather than anything any more nefarious so but this i mean i i, I haven't seen the, the films in question and i really need to they're on my gap list simply because john has said they're great um but this from the outside this looks sounds like something which could be potentially quite messy 
know, it's like it is very much like this. You're looking at both sides of the story. It, how deep do we go now into interpretation or plagiarism? You know, where, where is the line drawn? You're talking jail time as well. Plus, there's the impact on his career, um, or alternatively as well on on her as okay. well. Because if it turns yeah. out that he is, if if she if he is found not guilty, you know, it could have a uh, it could have a, a negative impact exactly. Yeah. And especially if you know what she, if she's saying if, if she's coming from a, the, the the right place, you know, the genuine and authentic place, and this could be this could be devastating. I don't know who's going to come out of a, as a winner of this because this is the kind of damning thing that even if he's found not guilty, there's always going to be that cloud of wasn't he the guy who was you know charged for plagiarism? Oh, you know, but he was found not guilty. Oh, okay, but you know, still people thought about it. There'll always be that kind of over, hanging over him. Obviously, I, I'm very much a case of you know you, you're, you're innocent until you're proven guilty, and if you're proven innocent in a court of law, like in this instance, then. I won't think of him as oh he's a he plagiarized it, but once you've heard it, he's always kind of in the back of your mind. Not that he did it, but the fact that they were accused of it. It's just something you can't get out of. It's like a kid in school. He cheated on his test. No, he didn't. Hmm. Next time he has a test, you think, oh, is he going to cheat this time? It, it, there's, there's always an element of that. But I'd like to think that somehow they can find a a happy medium somewhere in the middle of this where there is yeah. no damage done to reputation, at least reputational damage, and you know everybody can go on. Uh, making the films and you know getting the credit they deserve for their own work, but it sounds like it could be messy and partic- and potentially prolonged. It yeah, it does, and the fact that uh, there's already been media uh, like misinformation about it is not a good sign, right? Like that immediately, no, no. like yesterday he was found guilty, and today's like, oh no, he isn't. Like the trial just started. Calm down, people. It's not no courts move that quick unless he's no. in people's court. You know, Judge Judy's like, yeah, you're a jerk. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so yeah, uh, I, I think we got to really like expect this to be, uh, I would imagine a few weeks at least um, of a trial. If it's actually even in trial, it might've, I didn't get to like read the entire uh, entertainment weekly article. Just got enough to know that he had not been found guilty yet. Cause I was like, I was shocked. I'm like, I just learned about it Monday and he's already been found guilty. That's insane. Like that, that's false. Um, yeah. It was super fast. So yeah, I, I was relieved, but again, I don't want her to be found to be a liar because I, I want to believe no one would make an accusation. Like obviously she's not lying. There's proof that she had a very similar premise. I, to me, it's more of like what constitutes intellectual property. Like, like, just because you found a, a real life story of this doesn't mean I can't take it and adapt it. Yeah. You know, like that there's no re and we do that all the time. There's like Snowden exists. And so does the, uh, I forgot the documentary that Oliver Stone, the, about Snowden, um, something with a C, I don't know, but, uh, the, both the documentary about Snowden and the movie where Joseph Gordon-Levitt plays Snowden exist. So even if a hero is based off of this guy, I don't know for sure if she owns the rights to the idea. You know what I'm saying? Like, so that's, I think, I think that's a big precedent that might be set. I in, think it's again, proximity this is as well, because mm-hmm. if, if, if she was a former student, then there's high chance that he would have been aware of her work. So I mean, I'm, I'm thinking, uh, cause my first thought was also, you know, you know, what is original nowadays and what, what, that, what, you know, how, can you can compare multiple films that have a similar premise? Oh yeah. However, this the the, the proximity between the two people involved and the fact that you know he would have seen or heard of this story, yeah. then that that's what casts a doubt in my mind. It's not like oh, this film from this Iranian oh. film is is riffing on a 
you know, an Icelandic film, which of which so, the two would never cross paths. It feels I, I definitely think he is guilty of having been. Uh, it sounds like he definitely like, yes. knew about this, like a hundred percent. I don't think, unless she is very much lying, it sounds very, very clear that he would have heard about her story. Yeah. And this does seem. I mean, it's pretty spot on. Now, how it plays out in the movie, there are twists and turns that I don't think are in the original story. That's where I'm like, but just because the the framing is the same, is is it? Because again, to me, plagiarism is a complete. You know, I took someone else's work and claimed it was mine. Yes, yeah, versus like, rape, yeah. like taking inspiration from and then building upon it, and that's uh, where I think it's an important thing. Like, I, I I'm not saying I'm on his side, but I do think there has to be some room, like. Because the idea is so general that if he deviates and and adds to or expands on in a way that isn't in the original story, then that is creative license. And I think that is what art is, right? Like we're, we're often just taking either personal experiences and then building or hype, you know, exaggerating them to more grand moments or more dramatic moments. And I, I think this case, especially this is in the Iranian court system. So like, it's setting a precedent there, but it could have a ripple effect in the, the, the Iranian film industry or in other film industries. Like if, if this case wins here, maybe more people try to do that here. What is, what do we really own? What I, can you own an idea? Can you own a thought or a situation? Cause that's ultimately what this was. If, Hey, what if there is a guy who's in debt or prison and on his way out finds money and does the quote unquote right thing, turns it in. Yep. That's a that's a pretty vague scenario because yeah. the big question is what happens next, and that's where I think there's creative license, and that's what I'm like. I'm very curious to see how this plays out because of that. Yeah, interesting to see how it plays out, and again, hope hopefully there can be some kind of some positive to come from this, where you know reputational damage is at a minimal for both parties. Yep. Well, Sorry. those are our headlines for the week. Let's get to the media consumption. These are movies, TV shows, video games, music, podcasts, etc. that we have been using to pass the time between episodes. Matt, what have you been consuming since the last time we recorded? I've been consuming a few things. I was working this weekend, so I had less time to consume. But um, in terms of film, uh, I watched... Uh, for, for astrology, I watched The Sand Pebbles from 1966, uh, a film which I will dis- I'll discuss more on that particular episode. Um, I also thought, like I said, it's a busy weekend or just busy busy period. I was like, sometimes you need that kind of shot of sweetness, shot of happiness and a smile on your face. And what more, uh, what better person than Amelie Poulain who, to do that? So I watched Amelie. Uh, I love Amelie. I think it's a fantastic film. Um, mm-hmm. Not just because favorite. it's such a feel good film, it's such a fantastic film. And Audrey Tattoo is it's chef's kiss. Um, I watched Solo, a Star Wars story. We 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 did our our Patreon commentary uh, over on Star Wars sessions, and it, now it was Solo, a Star Wars story was the next film. So uh, obviously watched that whilst commenting commentating on it, and it's it's good. It's good. It's, it's, you know, it's, I, I think I said afterwards, you know, it's a good film, so it's a good film, but, you know, you, you could take it out of, you could take it out of existence and it wouldn't change the story. Not that I would want that to happen. I'm not one of those kind of advocates, but I think, it, it, you know, it's almost like they knew, oh man, this isn't going to make any money. So let's get every single beat in that we need to. Let's get 
every like major checklist of Han's life into this uh, story because we ain't going to get a second chance. But you know, I like I like Solo. I said it's the most George Lucas of the new era films because it's just a fun action film. It's a good film. It's not it's not it's not breathtaking, but it's good. Um, I also watched some Clone Wars episodes because we covered uh, we spoke about the Clone Wars series as a whole. Uh, on the sessions this week and also included like, our favourite arc of the show, like kind of three, four episode arc. So I watched my favourite arc, the Order 66 arc, or pre-Order 66 as it would turn out. Um, I like the Clone Wars. It's got the highest of highs and sometimes the lowest of lows, but fa- fabulous entrant into the canon. And um, I watched uh, uh, Moon Knight. I've watched, or I don't know if we mentioned it last week, but I watched episode one. And this week I've, I've managed to watch episode two because we're doing it a day late. Um, mm. I know you've watched that, so I'll, I'll save any thoughts on that until we get to yours. But, um, I just wanted to say, guys, I've watched Moon Knight. I'll say, I watched it. I'll say it again. I've seen the first two episodes of Moon Knight. I, I, I said I would do it's it crazy. and I've done it. So, uh, before I kind of talk about what I think about it now I've seen it, uh, what have you been checking out, John? Well, I have been consuming uh, my usual blank check Evil Dead 2 episode. Yeah. Um, they're doing Sam Raimi right now, so they're up to Evil Dead 2, I should say. Uh, good episode. John Hodgman is the guest, and he's always nice. great. It's a very long episode, though, as a result. And they definitely go on severe tangents, despite <laughs> all loving this movie. Um, apparently, I didn't know this, but John Hodgman was a uh, book, um, uh, like, what's the word? Um agent i guess and was bruce campbell's book agent trying to sell trying to get him uh publisher to do the his um autobiography that he wrote the, cool uh, the, something with the chin i forget what it, what it was called um it's a pun on his big chin and uh <laughs> it was crazy to learn that about john hodgman like that was like a big part of his life was trying to get that book um so uh big fan of hodgman he was on daily show and uh he's had many shows since then um movie wise oh well before I get into the movies, I watched uh, parts of WrestleMania. WrestleMania was this past weekend. Yep. Um, I grew up a big, big WWE fan. I, I think I mentioned I've been playing WWE 2K 2022. Did, so I'm yep. kind of into wrestling again for the moment. And uh, I have not kept up with wrestlers. So a lot of people, I don't even, I'm like, I don't know who that is. But um, I, <laughs> a lot of my faves were wrestling. Uh, Brock Lesnar was wrestling. Um, Stone Cold had a, made I an heard. appearance twice. Uh, it was very cool. Vince McMahon uh, showed up, which isn't always a thing. And uh, one of my favorite matches of of the weekend that I saw was Edge versus AJ Styles. I'm a big AJ fan because I was mm-hmm. huge in the TNA back like eight years ago, ten years ago. Um, so seeing them all is always fun. WrestleMania isn't uh, part of the WWE online network now. Uh, and that's the thing. When I was a kid, I used to beg for pay-per-views and I got, I get, to, right. I, I get to do more than most kids should have, especially I was not rich. So it was like, my mom was dropping money. We did not have to mm-hmm. like make me happy. Yeah, we used um, to get was, that too. Same here as well. Same, same, same setup as well. But and I was always like, it was every, it would be what every four months. Cause back then it was, yeah, it's Rumble, like four pay-per-views. King Rumble, of the WrestleMania, SummerSlam, uh, no. Mania, Survivor Series, like five Survivor maybe. Series. Yeah. And, um, SummerSlam and, uh, WrestleMania was always the most, like it was like yeah, somewhere was between like one, yeah. 45 to like 60, 65 bucks, depending on when you got it. Now you get it with the WWE network, which is like, I think 10 bucks a month. Or if you have Peacock ultra or ultimate, which is a, uh, Comcast provided thing, platinum, I forget what they call it. So whatever their paid version of Peacock yeah. is, it's included. And That's so crazy. like, it's wild. I used to spend 60 bucks. Now I was like, I threw it on in the middle. I didn't even like start. I wasn't worried about starting it. I just threw it on. I was like, yeah, yeah, I'll throw it on. Um, 
and I love that. It's such a, it's how it should be. They do now a pay-per-view every month though. So it, it, it's hard to yeah, keep it's, up. It's different. On that though, I will say, um, I haven't, <clears throat> excuse me, I haven't followed wrestling for a long time now. However, you know, it was at work the other day. I, I heard somebody on the office. He was jokingly, but he went, you know, he said, shut up to someone. But I noticed his voice kind of cracked and he went, shut up. I was like, ah, he was like Mr. Yeah, McMahon. Yeah. I was like, do you know what? I'm going to go on YouTube and I'm going to Google, like, I'm going to YouTube, you know, the best moments of Vinnie Mac just saying, shut up. Um, yeah. or, or the famous open him up, open him up. Uh, so then I was like, oh, this is great. Yeah, this is a lot of fun. And then I, uh, it, it appeared on my YouTube recommendations when I got home and it was this channel kept coming up called Inside the Ropes, I think it was called. And it's, um, it's a Scottish dude who interviews you know, all of the big stars, mostly from the era that I saw or before. And I've been actually watching some of that. So, you know, he's interviewing Sean Michaels, he's interviewing uh, Bret Hart or Goldberg. And it's quite interesting to hear these uh, candid stories from behind the scenes. You know, I'm getting in. So, whereas unless I haven't necessarily been watching the actual events, but I have been, you know, listening to these, the superstars of my era, Mick Foley, like talking about those yeah. moments or, or Taker and whatever. I'll say. Really interesting. Another, if you, if you, I don't know if you have Peacock over there or not. But we do now get, have it, yes. Okay. If you get it or get access to it, um, the WWE Network has added a bunch of really cool, like, WWE documentaries about the wrestlers. Nice. And you used to have to buy those on DVD. And I owned a few because, again, I was a hardcore wrestling fan for a long time. So I own a bunch. Um, and you could find them, like, usually pretty cheap at, like, FYE after they came out. Like, months later, someone yeah. would sell it back. And you could get it for, like, 10 bucks or whatever. But uh, almost all of those are on the network, and a lot of them, if you have a favorite, like there's, you know, Mick Foley one is really good. There's a, a couple of Undertaker ones. If you are a fan of that generation, there's some really cool stuff. They did one on the Attitude Era, which was great, because it's, it's yeah. it always has matches, but then it is like a documentary. They they talk behind the scenes. The one for Bret Hart is my favorite, though, because... Screwjob. Like, the screw job is such oh, a wow. compelling story. That's man. What I watched um, the documentary on that. It wasn't a WWE one. It was a, it wasn't a guy on YouTube. who did a really quite well, oh, wow. really good job. It's about an hour and 15 minutes. And I was like, man, I remember all this. I don't want to see it's any of wild. the WWE films. Mine. <laughs> I'll give them a miss. Like, no, pain yeah. Starring some of those it. films, but damn, but, but yeah, the, 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 yeah, it was also that pops. I think it's like, it was, it, yeah, it was the, it was shut up and open him up, Vinnie Mac, and then the screw job appeared as a recommended. I watched that documentary, and then it was his other interviews. I just find it very interesting to hear like the behind the scenes talk. You know, they're yeah. talking openly about it. You know, there's no there's no secrets. You know, there's no kayfabe. It's you know they're talking uh, but honest, and it's it's really decent. Yeah. So that's I, I caught WrestleMania. Some of it, um, the movies I've been watching. Uh, I am I'm gearing up for our 1966 episode of astrology. So yes, I, I watched the professionals, the fortune cookie and grand prix all uh, from 66. You text me about that. Um, dude, grand prix. I was really, there was so many surprises. I was shocked by who the cast was because oh, yeah. the mom from arrested development is in it. And I was like, I haven't seen her in anything else except for arrested development. And then, uh, the one dude is in the notebook and Maverick, and I don't remember his name right now, but I I love him. And I'm like, oh man, this is like young man. yes. And um, he was also Maverick on the TV series yeah. Maverick. But uh, and then um, I but that movie was like really good, and the sound editing on that film is insane. Plus, Super. like they're driving the cars, like they're going <laughs> fast, like it, they filmed people doing the thing, and that's we don't do that now because it's dangerous. More, no. And so it's a documentary wild. to start with. I thought originally it was a document like Woodstock. I thought I was going to be like a Grand yeah. Prix documentary. 
I was like, oh, it's a film? Okay. But Gardner, like, drove. Like, yeah, he's yeah. the one driving. He was, like, apparently really good. Like, they were, like, he was beating the actual race car drivers. Like, Move over, it, Tom Cruise. The story about that movie is as wild as the movie, but the movie mm. is mm. really compelling. It is long, but and I did watch it in two, like, two hour and a half chunks. Yes. But I, I, man, I can't wait to talk more in depth about that movie, but uh, the professionals really, really solid Western. I'm a, but I am a fan of Western. So, but I think it's a really good Western. Maybe I'm always on the fence with Westerns. I, I often like them. They're often problematic because they uh, there's a lot of brown face. You know, uh, well, I, yeah. Um, the, the characters are are Mexican that aren't Mexican. Like that's a major American, problem. The native, oh, sorry, the Native American angle, yes. which is. But uh, even sometimes, just like the narrative, sometimes I find that even like the, yes. sorry, so the, st- the structure, sorry, can sometimes be. You know, the, 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 the Westerns don't always need to be four hours long. It is just no, sometimes a lot. This of one's not. This yeah. one's just over two hours, but it, it does works. Work. It, it works quite well. I actually found it. I found a lot of it to be kind of interesting, and it's mm-hmm. it's it's uh technically it's just outside of the Western era, so it's like late yes, Western, of course. And I I think that works as well. Um, I found it don't very, very Sam Elliott, very watchable. Yeah, don't tell him. Um, and then uh, the fortune cookie I watched last night. That's the first time Walter Matthau and Jack Lemmon worked Jack together, Lemon, yeah. and it's a Billy Wilder film. Uh, liked it quite a bit. There's there is there is a series of lines that are very racist, but they are supposed to be racist and a character is supposed to do something about them. So gotcha. I don't think it's problematic in that way, but it is there. And that's never, you never want to hear those negative things. It's also, it's not as racist as it could have been, but it's still racist. Like it could have gone much harsher with the language. They don't, but it's still like, but again, uh, the character you want to do something about it does something about it. So it's like, okay. There's, there's, um, a paper. there's one film in your list, which I am, like staggered that you, you you've watched not because I would never expect it was I did not expect I didn't expect to see it on the list. Uh, which one? It begins with O. Oh, Onibaba. Yeah. Uh, so really Corey and I this month are doing subs, not dubs. So all of our our films are uh, non English films, and Corey picked Onibaba. Now she actually not only did she pick this, she had forced this upon me uh, two months ago because I got <laughs> this as a gift um, from Criterion. So I have the Criterion Blu-ray. Um, she was like, we're watching this. I'm like, okay, cool. Uh, you know, awesome. I'm glad to get it. And so um, it, her pick, uh, I, I love samurai stories. And so I went in like super pumped, like cool samurai movie. I, it's not a samurai movie, but no. it's freaking great. Um, it's, it's good, isn't it? Yeah, it's so good. Do you know your boy freaking claims this is the most scary movie ever made? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, exactly. That's that's uh, the end. That's the reason why I went to watch this film. That's why I, I sought this film out because if... Billy Friedkin said, and it could have had any yeah. kind of influence on f- his other films. Let's just say, I mean, it's good for, this is a very good film. Very, it's very it's good. a chilling uh, film. And, but like, it's a s- exotic horror film. Like I was not expecting so much no? sex in a, in a 64 <laughs> no. film. Like yeah. I was like, what, what is happening? A uh, Toho film, I think. Yeah. Uh, but it, it, the way it plays into it, it's, it's very, very cool allegory film. It's, it's super good. Um, Samurais are, in it, but they are not, it's not about samurais. Um, uh, I got windfall. That's the, the three, it's basically three actors. It's Jason Siegel, Jesse Plemons and, um, Lily Collins, okay. uh, in a Hitchcockian thriller. It's new on Netflix. It's been out for about two weeks. Not enough people are talking about it. It's not a masterpiece, but it's really freaking good. And it's a showcase for all three actors. They get to really just nice. And Plemons is as always fantastic. He's I don't great. think Jason Siegel gets enough credit. I think Siegel is phenomenal. 
and is often like overshadowed or, or forgotten because he is, he's so unique. He's such a weird build. He's so tall yet. He's charming and yet weird and like goofy. Like he's just like everything. And I, they, I think he's doing great stuff. Windfall is really captivating. If you like Hitchcockian kind of suspense thrillers, I do uh, dialogue heavy, 90% dialogue, but it works for me. Um, and then I've seen one of the best movies ever made. Everything, everywhere, all at once. As soon as anyone is able to see this movie, please, please, please go see this one because it is weird. There are definitely going to be some things that push people out. Um, there are there are dildos on screen, and there's a whole thing with butt plugs. But outside of that, okay. it's one of the most inventive movies ever made. It's hilarious. It's brilliant. It, it's existential. It made me cry. It made me laugh. It made me cheer. I I read my review. It's a spoiler free, but man, it's a showcase for Michelle Yeoh. Uh, Short round is in it. Like, <laughs> you you told guys, like I didn't damn. know he was still acting. Um, no. uh, but he's so good. He's so good in this movie. Like it, it's, it, I can't Short wait to see round. it again. I want to see this at least two more times in the theater. If I can, I, I and I have seen several films with this uh, central Florida film critics association. Critics, whatever the CACF. I've seen several films with these guys. I like these guys a lot. I think the, the whole group of critics are really good guys, but very rarely have we all walked out of the same screening with the same idea. Nice. This movie, we walked out. I was so worried that I was going to be the only one who loved it. We all loved it. We were all like you. It felt like we witnessed something special. And I don't know the last time a movie made me feel that way where I could not like, and that everyone else felt the same. Like it was like a collective experience. Like we all lived through something. And I thought that was amazing. So everything, everyone oh, wants, man. I want everyone to see it. Please go watch it. It is weird. Again, there's going to be some things. If you were like the things that I said, if you're like, no way can I ever see something with that in it? Fine. But if you can give it a chance, I think you'll be blown away. I, I really do. I, I love this movie. I, I wish we were going to be able to do an episode on, but we don't know when Matt's going to get to see it. Dude, uh, I am, I am patiently yet furiously p- chipping away at a twenty-four UK, shall we say, and saying please because it's not you know it, I, I I I trust John's word more than anybody else's. However, you know, just I've seen people online also saying things like this is one of the best films I've ever seen, and not in a you know, they're not in an OTT or kind of hyperbolic. Yeah. People generally sound like this isn't this is an experience, and of course, with that, like we said with Morbius, with that, you can potentially go in with the expectation and maybe even come back disappointed because it isn't that. But dude, open minded, I, I cannot wait to see this film at some point. Yeah, and I hope, I hope to to of all hope that you know this this kills it for me. I I, I just I cannot wait for every. It comes out officially here in the states on Friday the eighth and I can't wait for people to get to see it. I am, I'm going to probably end up driving cause I don't think my local theater is getting it, which really upsets me cause they have a poster on the wall. Um, but I, I think I'm going to, I'm going to drive somewhere and pay money to see it. Cause I'm going to see it again. So, um, that said, that's what we've been consuming folks. Let's see how, what we did you think, think of moon Knight first? Sorry. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so sorry. No, no, I would hear what you thought um, about it. Yeah, no, I, I like Moon Knight. Um, I, I love Oscar Isaac and I also love Ethan Hawke and I think yeah. they're doing great stuff. Um, for me, um, episode four was the, the episode that I finally course, felt yeah. like, yeah, I'm vibing with what's going on. Episode four feels the most like the mummy to me, which I really like the 1999 mummy. Um, 
so you haven't seen that yet, but uh, I'm curious to see if other people really pick up on that by episode four. But um, I love a lot of the weird editing choices the movie does or yes. the show does to like uh, showcase the mental instability of the, the characters, the reflections, uh, and that yeah, yeah. Oh, the use of mirrors are super good, and I I like the Egyptian mythology that's kind of built into it. Yeah. Um, my biggest criticism was that Feige was saying how brutal this series was going to be. And I think if you compare it to the other Marvel MCU stuff, maybe if you compare it to the Netflix shows that were recently added when he said that, yeah, no, it's nowhere near as brutal as Daredevil or Jessica Jones or especially the Punisher. It feels like a slightly darker version of the MCU and Oscar Isaac's humor is the most telling of the MCU element of it, right? Like it feels Mm -hmm. more aligned with that than it does with the Netflix series that we now have on Disney plus, which I don't know this character well enough to be upset about that. Uh, big tuna, um, doesn't like the show because he loves the comic character and feels like the character is too like silly on the show. Like, uh, the jokes and stuff are not part of the comic in his opinion. So I can't vouch for that, but yeah, I I'm digging it, man. Generally, am. And I don't know that's because I really like the actors, but it feels different to me. It feel it feels. I don't know. It feels like a, it's cut from a different cloth than say something I mean, like Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Do you like it more than Loki or What If? Or oh, wait a minute. Do you know what I really do? <laughs> and there are probably good reasons for that. I haven't seen them yet, but um, no, I'm really enjoying. I think Oscar, as as a British man, I heard Oscar Isaac speaking in that tone. I thought, why is he talking like that for? But when I've heard, the more I hear, I think, no. Firstly, obviously, in context of the story, it works fine. And yeah, but I was like, right, he is putting on a voice and he's using British colloquialisms. What do I feel when I spoke to my friend the other day and I said, you know what, as a, I, 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 I believe that this guy could be English. Like the, the things he's saying and like the kind of little, little, uh, little words he throws in. I was like, yep, yeah, that sounds like something, firstly, I'd say, or sounds like something I'd hear other people say all the way up in London way. So if I don't want to sound authentic. ignorant and I don't want to offend you. But when oh, no. I closed my eyes and listened to him, I thought I was on the podcast. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Hey, look, if you can you can compare me to Oscar Isaac in many ways if you want, but um, but no, I, I'm digging. It. I think Ethan Hawke is a very compelling villain so far. After two episodes, yes. I think it's very. What make what made me giggle is you've got um you've got Ethan Hawke here. You have Julie Delpy was in Age of Ultron, so you've got Madame B and Arthur Harrow. Obviously, the before trilogy, the two main mm. characters. I want to see Madame B and Arthur Harrow meet at like accidentally meet up in Cairo in like episode five and be like, Hey, I remember you. Didn't we like hook up? And then the whole episode is just them walking through Cairo and talking about their previous and romance. You, you uh, call the ap- episode after moon night. Right? Exactly. Like that's- yeah. God, exactly. After moon night, yeah, before moon or whatever you want to call it. That's what I want to have. If it doesn't happen. This show's rubbish, but um, two episodes in for me, v- very, very much enjoying it so far. It's not anyway. It's not, it's not a brutal thing, but I do feel it's got a, it's got more of a, an edge to it than the other Marvel shows I've seen. Matt, I just got this information. I checked the bampometer, and there was a warning that your bloody awesome levels were running a little low. So I need to know, sir, <laughs> what have you been doing to stay bloody awesome since the last time we recorded? I got to keep you up. Well, uh, but other than watching Moon Knight, it would seem I've been, I've been, this might, mine's quite s- simple and it's not even for me necessarily, but next week, in the next week or so, it's Easter holidays in the United Kingdom, you get, kids get two weeks off school. Actually, we're in it at the minute, in fact, 
um i forget about that um so i've been preparing for what i'm going to do next week when i have the young padawan and it's quite nice. fun. So basically, it's the preparation for how to entertain a young kid and give them all the cool, give them some cool things, and not make them bored. But so at the same time, being your Disney Plus subscription, um, oh, damn, so I did actually. Have, I have actually done that. You know, I've had to change some payment details, um, new card, and all that. But um, I was like, well, at the same time, you know, what can I get out of it as well? You got, you got to enjoy it. So yeah, one of the things we're going to do is we go to a big, big old, big aquarium. I actually love nice. aquariums. So we're going to a big one, like, and also at the same time. I like that as well. So obviously I would never put myself first, but I'm thinking, you know, what? I can also get something out of this. It's not like Peppa Pig world where I think this is, this is like seven shades of hell. Uh, it's just, an aquarium's fun and, and other cool things as well. But, you know, I've been getting it, I've been just getting that all sorted out. And of course it's Easter at the end of the week. So the Easter bunny or the Easter rabbit, whatever it's called in the States is going to turn up and, you know, lay some so chocolate f- eggs. It's so funny to me that you just said the Peppa Pig Land because ours just opened. Like we have a Peppa Pig Land. Like my daughter literally works at Legoland, which I, is where the Peppa I Pig Land you is. Remember saying actually, yeah, so, we were going to take it Olivia too a couple of years ago, but COVID hit him. And like you said, I think I said it last week actually, yeah. And then mm-hmm. you know by the time we come out the other end, and she's outgrown it now. And you know part of me, part of me kind of wishes we'd gone at the time because you know it would have been like life changing for her. But yeah, yeah. At the same time, I think you know it, it probably would have. But it would have angered me somewhat being there. Yeah. But, um, yeah, prepping for half term, prepping to give the young princess, and also it's my week off work as well. So, you know, what can we do to have a you know have a great time together? So it's kind of looking forward to stay bloody awesome. What about yourself, though, sir? So I um, have been working on a documentary project with my students. My uh, my first year students, we we watched, uh, first we watched The Truman Show, which I introduced nice. the idea of like reality TV and this idea of like, the, the mere act of filming changes the way people behave, like knowing you're on camera. Then that led into documentaries. We did a whole study just kind of in general about documentaries, but we just watched Super Size Me. Um, but before we did that, I talked to them about Life in a Day. And I mentioned Life in a Day 2020 on our last episode because I had just yep. watched it in preparation for this. But So their project was uh, Life in a Week at our high school. And I wanted them to film at least two like testimonial videos a day, one at the beginning of the day, one at the end of the day. And we, we use this uh, service where they are able to upload the videos or record straight to the app. And it's just like a couple minutes of them telling, uh, it's this time of day. I'm feeling okay. I'm, this is what my day looks like. I'm kind of hoping this happens. And then the second video is like a reflection. How did the day go? Were there any highlights, lowlights, et cetera? And um, I had 70 students or so involved. Only about 40 of them really like took it seriously. But uh, overall, I was really happy with it. I also did it. Um, so I also did a morning video and an evening video, uh, to participate. And now, uh, w- that we're done with the five days, we're, they're going to start editing those videos together, trimming out, you know, unnecessary parts, um, trying to find commonality, but also we're they're now they're going to add some supplement stuff. So they're going to be getting some B-roll footage and getting some, um, they're doing interviews. So what we've been doing in classes, I've been kind of training them in the interview process and, uh, helping where we've been like brainstorming questions that they're going to ask about mm-hmm. with our, our framing is what's life in a week at Lake Wells high school. So now we need to, what is it? What does Lake Wells high school mean and all of that? So it's, it's going nice. to be a, an interesting um, process, but it's been fun so far um, sharing the videos, watching their videos. Uh, they were encouraged, but not required to like, do you have like pets? Sh- show me, you can show us your, your room, you know, however you want, whatever you're willing to share, you can share as long as it's, you know, appropriate which is a key thing but you know um so getting to see like some of them have like pet uh, leopard geckos and like they want she actually took the time to like show us her feeding it and it was very cool i've never seen that before 
Um, so stuff like that, it's insightful. Uh, and the willingness to, to share was great. So like it, it, it made me feel pretty awesome getting to know my students a little more and getting them to, you know, a lot of them are introverts. So like the, a lot of them are cool with being behind the camera, but they don't always want to be the subject. Yeah. So making them do this kind of participatory documentary, Morgan Spurlock esque in that way. Um, it, it pushed some of them out of their, their comfort zones in a good way. Like it was safe. I, I, I kept it, you know, I gave them a lot of options of when they could record what they had to include was very minimal, but it was more like, can you at least do this? And a good, you know, more than half of them did. And that was, that was exciting. So uh, that's how I've been saying bloody awesome. Sounds good. All in the name of education and also that kind of slight character building as well for everyone. And and yeah. under the tutelage of JB, you, we all know it is done properly. That's awesome, my friend. Um, I always I always enjoy hearing about kind of the, the projects that you have at work with a video documentary, whatever it might be. But I always you know what the what the kids are up to, what the the students sorry are up to. Yeah, um, that that's it's a fun thing for me. And, uh, you know, we've got some new projects that were in the works. I have uh, some horror movies being made and then, uh, some, uh, the mundane to, uh, action stuff is also being filmed, which is, um, doing something like sharpening a pencil, but we're filming it in the Michael Bay way. So they have to include the Michael Bay shot in their, yes. their movie. Um, so that's in the editing process now. So I'm waiting to see how that came out. What most of them have found though, it's not easy to do the Michael Bay shot. It is talent. And that's, he often gets kind of, you know, poo-pooed. We talked about this on last week's episode. The dude has a style that is distinctive and, and speaks. It, again, it's not the most intelligent style, but man, is it recognizable. So He knows you know, how to shoot chaos. <laughs> he knows, he and he's very good at it. He makes things feel kinetic, if nothing else. Right? Yes. Like, yes. Um, but that's the episode, folks. Uh, next week unfortunately, because Matt doesn't look like he's going to get to see everything everywhere all at once right away. Uh, um, we're going to be talking me. about Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Yep. Yep, you sound very excited by that, Dave. You know what, to be fair, though, I've heard pretty good things about that film. I, you know, I didn't love the first one. and I only it was because okay. I, it, exactly, but more, I just felt like Jim Carrey was just doing Jim Carrey stuff, and I didn't, it's not that I don't even, I like Jim Carrey stuff. I just, like, if they're going to cast a guy to be this iconic villain, I want it to feel like the villain. And he looks Not more yet, yet. like the villain here, but there is speculation around this, that this might be Jim Carrey's last movie. He's saying he might be retiring. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of wild that this might be the last time we see Jim Carrey. Um, probably won't be, but you know, it could be. Um, anywho, that's what we're going to be covering next week. In the meantime, you can follow us on social media on Instagram. We're at bloody awesome movie pod and Twitter. We are at BAMP underscore podcast, B-A-M-P underscore podcast. And we're still on the old Facebook. Just search Bloody Awesome Movie Pod individually. You can follow me at BurkeReviews.com and at Burke Reviews on all the social media platforms. Matt? Follow me at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk, uh, what I watch tonight across all the socials, including Letterboxd and on Google, furiously trying to find out when everything, everywhere, always, at once comes out. And all while Matt is so much better at following our own show notes um please rate and review the podcast on whatever <laughs> podcast catcher you provide because i forgot to say this at the beginning again so sorry folks um we we're just really hoping that if you have made it this far into the episode that you you must like us a little bit if you can help by giving us a review it really does make other listeners aware that we exist and that's all we're asking with that we encourage you to keep watching movies and stay Bloody awesome.